Welcome to the Even the Rocks podcast, where we believe that just like the rocks cry out proclaiming Jesus as our Savior, our symptoms cry out to help us support our temple. I'm Lindsay. And I am Danielle, and we are your hosts here. We are both nutritional therapy practitioners with a biblical worldview, and within this podcast, we will teach you the way God created our bodies to be innately intelligent. You will be pointed to Jesus and understand how to support your body best. Hey guys, and welcome to our episode today. We are talking about digestion, all things digestion. And I don't know about you, but when I was first thinking about digestion, all I thought about was poop. Let's be real. Like, that's the only thing I could think about with digestion. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I know we have a stomach that's part of digestion, but I didn't realize just how intertwined and how important this whole system is. And Lindsay is um, completely... uh, I don't know. That's like her specialty is digestion. And we have some commonalities of things that we, that we enjoy talking about with digestion, but, um, yeah. How can you want to share with us about your digestion story, Lindsay? My digestive story. All right, y'all. So I, at five years old started farting and we're not talking just like, Oh, like a little kid farts. Like at five years old, both of my parents were coaches My dad was a basketball coach. My mom was the cheer coach. We were on our way home from a game. Now, this is my first like real experience with farting. It had started before this, but this was like the first thing that I vividly remember. We had to pull the bus over on the side of the road because every high school student, every coach, my parents, the driver were gagging because my tiny little five-year-old body was producing a a gas that they couldn't breathe on the school bus. It was embarrassing, but I was, I was this little girl. And, you know, I remember standing on the side of the highway with all these students and we were laughing about my farts. Like thinking back, that was so traumatic to me. I didn't realize then that it was all the ways that it was going to be traumatic But after that, my mom took me to the pediatrician and he said, well, does she eat her vegetables? Does she eat a lot of junk? And my mom said, no, she eats really healthy. And he was like, well, then she's healthy. And so that was the point where my mom was like, well, Lindsay's very healthy. So it just kind of that, that thought continued throughout my life. Lindsay's super healthy because she eats healthy food, but my body wasn't processing my food. My body was not breaking down my food. (laughs) sorry, I just coughed. Um, so my body wasn't breaking down my food that same year. Now this, this is why digestion starts in your brain. That that's first and foremost, Mm -hmm. the digestive process is not just pooping. Like Danielle just said, it is pooping is huge. And you know, I used to think, I used to think the same way. Pooping had a lot to do with digestion, but, but digestion starts in your brain. That same year that I farted on the school bus, my mom almost died. My mom had had four miscarriages. She almost died during the fourth one. Um, Our house burnt down. My mom got pregnant again. Um, She was five months pregnant when our house burnt down. Can you imagine the stress? Oh, We had nothing. We had absolutely nothing. We didn't even have shoes. Oh, my God. Because we were outside playing on a warm day. So it happened, the fire was a daytime? Yeah, it was the middle of the afternoon. It was, and here's the thing, it was, it was a warm February afternoon. February, yeah, yeah, February 25th. It was warm outside, and we were tilling up my grandparents' my, my, parent, my grandparents' garden. Yeah. We were tilling that, and so we didn't wear shoes because we were playing in the dirt. You know, we knew we were just going to be at the farm all day. Didn't wear shoes, wore play clothes. It was a Saturday afternoon around like 11 or 12. And, um, so our house burnt down. We didn't have shoes. We had nothing. Mm. My mom was pregnant (laughs) about to give birth to a baby that they had been praying for, for all these years. And then my sister was born in June. She went septic. She had sepsis in her bloodstream and she was in the hospital and that was stressful. Then we moved across the country because my dad got a job in Georgia. We moved down there. My dad had a reaction to the flu shot that year. And he, he, he got the flu shot on a Friday morning. Uh-huh. That evening, 
that evening, again, they had a basketball game that night. He left to go home early. My mom was still coaching. She got home. His core temperature was 105 and his extremities were cold. His extremities, his nose was freezing cold and his core temperature was 105. He was in ICU for two weeks. He coded in ICU and they brought him back. I mean, my tiny little body was so stressed. We've talked about this in our, in our other episodes, stress stops our digestive system from working. Our digestive system, the very most important part of digestion is that it is a parasympathetic nervous system. When you're stressed, your digestive system is shut down. When I was five years old, my digestive system was shut down. It didn't matter if I was eating healthy food. And that's why, you know, I talk a lot with my clients that it is not about, yes, eating healthy foods is extremely important. Supporting your body with food that matters is important. But if you don't address your stressed out life, if you don't address the stress in your life and you're eating when you're stressed, if, if you're making your kids eat vegetables and they don't like them, you're stressing, you could be, you could be creating a two decade long illness in their life. Now for me, I loved my vegetables. I ate them all the time. That didn't stress me out. Eating at the table didn't stress me out, but the rest of my life was, there was a lot of stressful things. And I lived a life that really wasn't, at the time, I didn't know it was stressful. I had a great life. My parents loved me. My parents kissed me and hugged me and read to me every night. I didn't have a lot of the stress that most kids today struggle with. Yeah. But hard things happened. And because of those hard things, I had a problem for 25 years. Now, back to digestion. You know, our digestive system, it, there are certain steps that have to function properly for everything else to function correct and at the right timing. For me, it was my brain. That's the very first instance. I was stressed out. Everything else was shut down. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Because um, a lot of my clients, so I'm going to intertwine here, a lot of my clients live, like they are professionals. Most of them are professionals. I think that's a misconception of people that are overweight or obese is that the misconception is that they're lazy. Mm-hmm. Usually they're not lazy. They over are, they're overdoing everything in their life. So their calendar is so chocked full that they don't even have time to clean their house or they don't even have time to whatever. And they make it so busy that they think that their only option is um, like fast food or you just like something quick. Right. But thinking about stress, it like, and we talked about this in that other episode as well, that stress, your body doesn't see stress any different than like you even said, like a text message coming in or like on my screen, I've already had notifications come up on my screen while we're sitting here recording and each of those. And I'm like now aware, like, oh, my body thinks that's a stressor and I can actually start to feel what my body does. And if my body is doing that and we've become numb to that, then how are we going to know that we're stressed? And I think the other Mm -hmm. misconception too, is that you are idle or if you're too idle, like what is that idle hands make something work? I don't, I'm really bad with my idioms, but the idleness, we don't need to sit in idleness. We need to sit in like purposeful Mm -hmm. moments, right? And like create moments of, of um, purposeful rest and purposeful whatever, but people are overstressed constantly and wonder why they have excess belly fat. Yeah. Slow your life down. And like you said, like as we get going through this whole digestion process and things, you're going to understand and learn that it really matters what's going on between your two ears and between um, your, like your skull up here because it matters to the bottom. Just because you're pooping and just because you're gaining fat does not mean you're actually absorbing your nutrients. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're nourished at all. Yep. You know, and oftentimes I hear people, well, I just grabbed a bite to eat because I was super busy and I had so much going on in my day. And so I just grabbed a bite to eat and shoved it down. You're doing the exact opposite of what you're think you, you think you're doing. Yeah. Because you're not absorbing that. You're not nourishing your body. Nope. You're not nourishing your body in any scope of the imagination. Yep. Yeah. You put something in your mouth. That's all you did. Yeah. 
And I think too that, you know, I start thinking about people when you said like, um, quickly grabbed a bite to eat. I think of professions like nurses and I think of like, I was a, a classroom teacher. I think of policemen. I mean, that I'm from a long line of, you know, service workers and policemen and things. And I think about what my dad had in his car and he would eat his lunches in the car or he would take, he would take healthy, you know, nutrient rich, dense foods with him that weren't necessarily bad, but he was sitting, he was constantly scanning. He was constantly paying attention to everything else and um, not paying attention to his food. And it kind of like, I'm, I'm understanding this now, you know, hindsight 2020, but I'm also like, you know, in order to get into that parasympathetic state, some tools that we can use are gratitude. Like if you are not a praying person, although those of us on this podcast, we, we do pray, there's a reason why we have a custom or a um, ritual of praying before we eat. Because what that praying does is it causes us to pause and think about something else. And like in for when I pray before my meal, I usually am saying nearly the same things, but I'm not, I'm very intentional not to be flippant about it. That mm-hmm. I I thank God for the hands that handled my food from the garden, from the fields, whatever, to who put it on my plate probably myself. Um, but think thankful that I even have the opportunity to pay for my food, my good quality food, thanking yeah. him and that he would use that food to nourish me in ways that I didn't even know I needed. And yeah. I think, you know, like that goes back to this whole idea that we connect with our food. And, um, oftentimes we forget that we need to connect. We need to connect with the food, not, what am I trying to say here? Like, it's not about the food, but it's about pausing before the food. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be this fancy, like completely stressful dinner party or anything like that. It can just simply be like, okay, thank you God for this plate. Please nourish my body with this so that I can serve you better or something. Yeah. And putting that phone down putting away the Netflix, putting away the work. Like that is a huge struggle I have is working. Yeah. (laughs) I like to work when I eat and that is so bad. So I need to get better at that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even just taking a deep breath, sit down at your table, pray, and then breathe, breathe. How long does it take us to, to eat a meal? 10 minutes, maybe. We should be taking at least 30 minutes. And you know, moms, moms are, I feel like are so bad about this. They're like, well, I just, I just grabbed food off my daughter's plate because I didn't have time to eat. Not only are you not nourishing your body, you're not getting enough food. Most people in America, most moms, I would say are not just undernourished. They're underfed too. Most of the moms that I talk to, most of the moms that are my clients, they maybe have 900 calories. And I'm like, your body can't do anything without, without that food. And what are they doing to supplement that energy they need? Probably coffee, lattes, sugar. Sending their blood sugar into a storm. And we'll talk about that on the next episode. Yes, we will. (laughs) But yeah, so like getting into that you know, I, I, I like how you went with the mom's thing because I was the opposite. Like I, um, I would eat off my kid's plate, but then I would still be hungry. Like what? 30 minutes later or something. Um, and by the way, it's disgusting to eat after your kids. Really? Because your cells weren't getting nourished. No, they your weren't. Cells, yeah. You were, you were eating a lot, mm-hmm. but none of it was going into your cells. Nope. If your cells aren't nourished none of your body's going to be nourished. No. And something I like to recommend to new moms to help them, like, especially new moms that are breastfeeding, or even if you're having to bottle feed or whatever, have that baby against your chest, doing that kangaroo care, that skin to skin and letting your own body's oxytocin take over. Mm -hmm. And then you are already in a parasympathetic state that you cannot get from any pill anything else anywhere else. Sometimes I wish I still had a hit of that. Like I could tap into that resource, like much like as easy as it was to just throw a baby on my chest. Um, but that's when I would eat, I would eat when my babies ate. 
um, after I finally understood <laughs> some of this stuff. Yeah. But I would eat when my babies ate because, and then I wouldn't eat anywhere near as much as I wanted to, as I would have otherwise. Yeah. Because I, I was engaged in what was going on. I wasn't distracted. I wasn't, um, I wasn't uh, busy doing something else. And um, as hard as breastfeeding can be, and as much as you feel like, oh my gosh, all I do is sit here and I'm like a cow. That is one thing to do is to just be like, okay, I can use this for my benefit. Yeah. Yeah, because it's such a beautiful moment. It is. It is. And, and because we're stressed, we don't see it as a beautiful moment. Right. Yeah. Right. Because our priorities are in the wrong spot anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, back, back to, back to my story. So yeah, I started at five with a terrible farting that continued when I was in elementary school. I had a lot of ADHD symptoms. Okay. Thankfully, thankfully my parents did not want to put me on medicine. They didn't want me to rely on medicine. It wasn't so bad to where I was, you know, awful in class. Um, I had a hard time studying. I had a hard time focusing. I had a hard time just being still and grasping what I was learning. I, I couldn't do it. And so that was a symptom that, that I later learned was, was related to my digestion. Whenever I started, whenever I started my period, I had extremely painful periods. So like when you first started your period or like any time? Um, I started very late. I started, okay. I actually started on my 16th birthday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Started on my 16th birthday. So my period is late. Um, by the time I was 18, they were excruciating. Oh no. Excruciating. Um, that was also around the time that I started using tampons rather than pads. Okay. So that has a lot to do with it because we know that a lot of tampons are horrible, toxic, yep. horrible toxins that you're just sticking up inside you to absorb in a very precious place of your body. Yes. Um, so I was having horrible hormonal imbalances. I would vomit um, mm. on my bed and just not care to get up. Oh my gosh. Like, excruciating. Um, I went through years of just, you know, in middle school, in high school, I would carry gas X with me everywhere. That's all my doctor. That's all my doctor told me was, well, you're gassy. Just take some gas X. And I remember them telling me cherry tastes like candy. Just eat the cherry ones. Like I would pop gas X all day long. I was living on cherry gas X. Oh my gosh. And like, I remember as a little girl, like you, in sixth grade, you don't want to carry gas X in your purse because boys go through your purse yep. and that's super embarrassing. And I remember like them looking through my purse, looking for the gas X. Mm. And I was just like, okay, I need to find a way to hide this. So like, I would find like, you know, the Altoids tin uh -huh. or like some kind of tin, like candy tin and put gas X in that and hide it among the candy. So people wouldn't know that I had gas X in my purse. Oh my gosh. All my nicknames started with stinky. All my nicknames, you know, smelly, smelly, you know, like that's what I was called. I was constantly laughed at. My teachers had Lindsay spray in their classrooms. Now the teacher wouldn't call it that, but all my friends would, okay. you know? And so it was just, I was constantly embarrassed. So that brought on stress. You know, it was, it was miserable and it was embarrassing and it was, I, I kind of got to a place where it was just normal yeah. where that making fun of me was just normal. And so I subconsciously, it didn't bother me anymore, but it still did. I mean, obviously like I can think back and it still bothered me, but I tried to make it not bother me because how, how do you cope with that? And that's stress right there. That's a trauma response yeah. that you're trying to create. Yeah. yeah. And so that happened all, like, I remember me and my mom were driving to college and I went to college five hours away and we were in the car and she was like, okay, Lindsay, like you are a new person. Like you are going to where you don't know anyone. You don't know anyone. These people don't know you. Who do you want to be? Like, you're an adult now. Who do you want to be? And I said, well, I'm really excited that these people don't know that I fart. Mm, not that even like, 
ambitions about your future or anything else, but you were focused on, I don't, they don't know that I fart. Yeah. That was the only thing that like mattered in moving five hours away to college. Um, the worst part about that was I went to a Bible college, um, in like outside of Tyler, Texas, and we were literally sitting in our dorms day one, day one, <laughs> sitting in the dorms and our, our like RA, I guess you could call her said that she was going to pray. She was going to pray over our dorm. She was going to pray all of, over all of us that were in this hall. We all closed our eyes. We folded our hands and I let out the largest, loudest, rankest fart you can imagine. And I was like, really God? Really? Right. This now. Is really God right now. We are praying. The first time I'm praying with these women, mm -hmm. the, like one of these women are going to be my best friend. Like I didn't want to be this person. I did. I did not want to be the girl that farted. That was all I cared about. Yeah. And there I was day one. Thanks God. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> I was so frustrated. And so then uh, slowly but surely everybody knew if something stinks, we blame it on Lindsay instantly. And... Yeah. And, and that continued, that continued into my adult life that continued for years. And you know, if, if something stinks, Lindsay, why can't you just hold it in? Why can't you just hold it? What y'all don't understand is I was constantly holding it in. It wasn't just like this meal made me fart. Yeah. It wasn't it. I mean, there were certain foods that would make it worse than others, but it was constant. There was constant, like, you know, the bloating pain. It wasn't just, I looked bloated. I was, I was tiny. Mm-hmm but my stomach was bloated and felt like knives stabbing me constant. So when I, when I released my butt cheeks from holding them together, I finally had, I finally was relaxed, but then farts would come out. Yep. And so that's what I lived with for 28 years of my life. Yeah. And it, it continued and continued and because of a digestive dysfunction that I didn't address because doctors told me I was healthy at five, hormonal imbalances started. Hormonal imbalances, I started getting anxiety. Whenever I um, was in nursing school, my anxiety took over my life. And then that was the, the, around the time that I got on um, my ADHD medication because I couldn't handle anything. I couldn't focus. I couldn't, I was, I had, I had a panic attack driving down the road, thought I was having a heart attack. All these things that people think are just like anxiety, ADHD, you know, hormonal imbalances, all these things that people associate with that one thing. Mm -hmm. I have anxiety. I'm anxious. I need to get on medicine because I can't focus. I have mom brain. I, I have a hormonal imbalance. I have terrible periods. I need to take something for my hormonal imbalance. No, you don't. No, you need to go back to the foundations. You need to go and help your body digest your food. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Literally, I I didn't know I could feel this good. I didn't know my body existed. I didn't know people felt this good. Yeah. I had no idea. And all I did was support my digestive system. Yeah. From the top to the bottom. That was it. I addressed Now, y'all will y'all will learn, I'm sure in other episodes. I am, well, I'm paused on the middle of writing a book about my life. Um, that's a really cool story about adoption and the miscarriages that my mom had and all of those kind of things. But I went back and I started writing this book about my brother's adoption and, and how everything in my life, all of these years of pain and, and hard things that happened, all of these things, how every single point of them were for a purpose in pointing to God bringing me my two younger brothers. And while I was writing this book, it was a huge part of my healing because I went back and I addressed, I addressed the trauma that I never was able to address because I didn't, I didn't realize that it was trauma. Yeah. It was, it was things that happened. Like I said, I didn't have a traumatic life. I didn't have a lot of stress in my life. I was a stress-free kid. I was happy. I was go lucky. Like 
I had, a, I have a great life. Like my life, my childhood was next to perfect. Yeah. But there were things that I didn't address. And once I started writing this book and going back to those instances and how, how, uh, how the fire and how all of these different things in my life pointed to God bringing me my brothers and all a part of his plan, all of those things in writing that book helped me to address those traumas and helped me to support the stress that was going on in my life. Finally. Yeah. And that was a huge part of supporting digestion. Well, and I, I'm glad we went here because again, we associate, or at least I did, and most people tend to associate trauma as like, oh my gosh, there was like a, a fatal car accident, or oh my gosh, like I was abused or neglected, or there were drugs, or you know, like we think of trauma as like really, really bad, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not um, downgrading like the trauma that you went through, but we don't think of oh, I had a house fire and everything was gone and everything, God, like God showed up. He did everything, you know, he took care of us. Like my mom nearly died. My sister was septic. Like you don't, like, I don't think about how many clients I have that have very similar stories to that. And it's just like, oh, this is just how life was. Okay. That's cool. Like, like, I'm glad you have that story and you can like share like where God showed up and like all of these things but it's still trauma and it still has to be dealt with and processed before your actual whole body can heal and restore itself because of its own innate wisdom to do so. Mm -hmm. So like something like sometimes with, um, with my clients, I like to teach them, especially for my clientele that need to have some form of accountability for how much is going in or what is going in about how much. Right. So we track and we use different methods of tracking um, their food, whether it be, you know, taking pictures or whether it be um, actually telling me exactly, you know, what the macronutrients are, whatever, however, however much they need to do. Right. Oftentimes, and most of the time it's women we underestimate our intake and we mm -hmm. underestimate a lot of things because we are using our brain as there to protect us from any sort of pain. So let's say like my client that overeats a lot of food and like binges every afternoon or something like that, right? She's not going to want to log that because her brain, not because she doesn't want to and not doesn't want to change, but because her brain's like, oh, that's going to cause you pain. Don't do that. And so just like these other, like that can be a form of trauma to log your food. Okay. Let alone, and I'm just using that as an example, let alone the trauma that you experienced with the, you know, the childhood, all of those crazy things that could have been, and who knows, like our body is so freaking smart that it is always going to outsmart us. It will always mm -hmm. outsmart us if we are not going to take care of it properly. Um, something I think about too is like, stress and trauma creates habits. Like we create new habits and kind of like when we get in the car, we don't think about, so like when we're first starting to drive, we're not think or we have to think about, Oh crap, did I put my seatbelt on? Right. Am, am I in the right position in the car? Can I reach the pedals? I, I never had that problem. It was usually my knee knees were in the dash. Um, so I had to push it back. Um, are my mirrors in the right spot? And like, we're thinking about all these things and we're constantly like looking over our shoulders and now we get in the car and we don't even think about it. Yeah. Our brains, our habits have taken over. So our brains can do other things. That's the same thing with that stress response is that your body is going to downregulate its skills set or, you know, like the digestive process because we're dealing with the stress. Yeah. So your body's like, okay, I already know what to do with this. It's not going to work properly. We're going to downregulate and it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. Yes, you can still overeat food when you are stressed, okay? Yes, you are probably going to gain weight. But that's an energy thing, not a mineral and nutrient absorption thing, which is what we're getting at here is that for mineral and, and nutrient absorption, like using your food properly, mm -hmm. you have to be in an unstressed state before you eat your foods. Yeah. And I and, think, go ahead. No, I, no, keep going. No. And I think that we just negate stress or trauma because, oh, we can deal with that later or, oh, it's not that important to our health. But I guarantee you if, if we manage our stress, 
and it gave us a six pack set of abs or the right size body we want or whatever else, we would be managing that stress immediately, wouldn't we? Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. You know, and to go back to the digestive process, the things that you need to support digestion, you need to think about your food. Like we said, you need to pray. You need to just focus on relaxing around your food. The next thing, you need to chew your food. <laughs> That's it. Can I give you an example I use? Okay, That's I don't... really it. That's all you have to do. <laughs> yes. Okay, so like for me, I don't know about you guys listening or you, Lindsay, but I am literally one of those people that if I'm not paying attention, I will go jab, jab with the fork and in, chew, chew, down, right? Yeah. So that goes back to you saying that we need to take longer than 10 minutes to eat our meal because we're not even chewing our dang food and the carbohydrate, no. like the starchy carbohydrates we eat literally start digesting in our, in our mouth. Yeah. If, we let our, if we let our saliva do it. Yeah. And your body, your body was not created. God created every, every tiny little step of digestion to function the way that it's supposed to function. It's not going to take up for somebody else's job. Nope. If we're not chewing our food, that's the only thing you're responsible for. Yep. Is not being stressed. God tells you how many times not to worry and not fear and not be stressed. You're responsible for that. You're also responsible for chewing your food. <laughs> uh, uh, and like, I tell people that and they're like, well, I, I chew my food. I'm like, no, you don't. If you have a digestive dysfunction, you don't chew your food. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. If you chew your food, that is the only thing that we're really responsible for when it comes to digestion. Chew your food. While you're chewing your food, God, God is, it's amazing how he created your body. While you are chewing your food, your brain is telling your stomach to produce stomach acid. It's telling your pancreas to produce pancreatic enzymes. It's telling your bile, it's telling your gallbladder to produce, or your liver to produce bile. It's telling your your gallbladder to release that bile. It's telling your pancreas that, you know, if, if you taste something sweet, it's telling your pancreas to release insulin. So many different things are starting while you're chewing your food. Mm-hmm. If you just fork over food and put it in your mouth and chew it three times and swallow, all of those things are not happening. Nope. All those other processes that help you to absorb your vitamins and your minerals and your nutrients, none of that is happening. And then people say, well, I, well, I, I'm, I'm, then, then I can eat fast food because I'm still, I'm not absorbing it. I'm like, no, your body is, is trying to, it's trying to absorb things and get nutrients because it's so undernourished. And at that point, your body just stores all that junk and all those healthy foods that you didn't break down, all that stuff. It goes rancid. I'm yep. getting ahead of myself. Yeah. No, you're fine. Back to when you're chewing. Your food, you swallow, your food goes into your stomach. Yeah. When your stomach gets food that hasn't been broken down by your, by your teeth, your stomach has to, it, it, it almost tries to overcompensate. Yeah. When your stomach muscles start to break down your food because you don't have enough stomach acid, there's two flaps. There's a flap between your esophagus and your stomach, and there's a flap between your small intestines and your stomach. When your stomach doesn't have enough stomach acid because you didn't chew your food, because you don't eat good enough food that tastes good, if you're on a diet and you think you need to have bland food, the bland diet, I remember being in nursing and giving people bland diets and I'm like, what? Who wants to be sick and eat something bland? Right. That's awful. Yep. Whenever we don't taste those amazing herbs, herbs make your food taste amazing, but they also help so many functions in your body. Yeah. When your stomach acid is not produced, you're going to have, this is a huge misconception to GERD and acid reflux. But when your stomach is having to churn more than your stomach acid is actually breaking down your food, those flaps are going to be opened. Uh Those flaps being opened are going to cause food to back up into your esophagus. It's also going to cause food to that, that sphincter to pop open and have food that's not been digested, that's not been broken down to fall into your small intestines. When food is in your small intestines, that's not been broken down. Your small intestines aren't made to break down your food. 
Your stomach isn't made to chew your food. Nope. Just like in the church, every one of you has a purpose in the church. Your purpose might be different than the pastor up on the stage. Your purpose might be different than the youth pastor. Your purpose might be to do to, to love on someone as they're coming in the church and just say hi. Yep. But if you don't do your step, the church doesn't function properly. Nope. You don't chew your food. Your stomach wasn't made to do this mouth's job. Your small intestines weren't made to do your stomach's job. Yep. Huh. It's amazing. God made everything so purposeful. Yeah. yeah. And like, and it, you know, and your stomach was made to digest and pull out proteins. Like that, that's what the stomach acids job is to do. Because if you've done your job up here and I'm pointing at my mouth, if you're not watching. Um, so if you're, if you haven't done the job of chewing, or if you have done the job of chewing, I'm sorry. And you have your protein, enough protein. And most people are like, there, there is a deficient. Oh yes. There are some people that are like, Oh, there's no such thing as protein deficiency. Now I'll agree with that, that your body has a lot of protein in it, but you don't want protein coming out of that muscle, which then creates brittle bones and you not have longevity and have to be in a nursing home. Nobody wants all that. We know what nursing homes are like right now. So, um, but your goal of your stomach acid is to digest proteins because it is so again, stinking smart that it, that your um, bacteria and your pathogens and um, parasites and things, those are all proteins. So that is your first line of defense against like all different kinds of bacterias and things that are trying to hurt you, right? So if you're not eating, if you're, if you're not chewing enough of your food and it's trying to do all of that digesting that your mouth was meant to, your teeth were meant to do, it might let some of those pathogens by because it is not doing its job. And if you're not eating enough protein or you're eating too fast or all of those things, you're going to have acid reflux, which acid reflux is not really too much acid. It's not enough acid because those darn flaps are open. Those little sphincters or whatever they're called. Um, so I'm very passionate about protein um, because most people that come to me are eating less protein in a day than people in a nursing home need. And I let them know that I'm like, you know, you are, I work with a lot of 60 year olds. I don't know why, but a lot of 60 year olds work with me and I absolutely adore them. I struggle. We struggle sometimes because it's like, it's a generational gap as well. And like, they have been doing stuff for so long at a certain way that they see no different and that's fine, but we will always teach, always teach over here. Um, but they don't understand why when they start eating more protein, uh, they have more energy. They feel better. Their stomachs don't hurt. They're not bloated so much because of if we, again, if we do the chewing right and we get in the non-stress state, they don't feel like they're like, I don't know, for lack of better terms, disgusting, you know? Yeah. And you know, you need that protein for your stomach to actually work properly. Yep. You can't, you know, one thing that I stress over and over and over, I don't tell you to count your macros. I don't want you to track so rigidly that you get into that. Like I have to eat everything perfect. Yeah. You need to eat protein. You need to actually eat protein the very beginning of your meal. The first, (laughs) the first bite you take needs to be protein because it sets your stomach up for success. Then your stomach can break down that protein. It can help to your stomach at produce stomach acid. It can help to break down other areas of your, your body. I mean, other areas of your food, to prepare it for your small intestines, to prepare it for your pancreas, to prepare it for your liver and your large intestines and your liver and your gallbladder and everything else. And I think that, um, you know, I, like I was just telling my husband last or this morning, I was hungry for steak and salad and baked potato. Like I was hungry for like real food. And, you know, as you were talking about eating the meat for, or the protein source first, I'm, we are big proponents of omnivores here. And, um, I always think about cutting into my steak first. I always think about like making sure that mine's well done. Please don't judge. Um, But I (laughs) make sure that my steak is done enough and not moving anymore. But the, the fact that that protein, like that's usually what, I mean, I personally choose to eat first anyway, knowing that then like the baked potato, I can then, Um, If I don't need that much starch for dinner, I can eat half of it and take the other half home. I don't feel like I'm eating the whole thing and then 
having bloat or whatever because, oh, wait, the protein coming in last or whatever. Because a lot of people just don't eat their protein. And mm-hmm. protein sources are not Jimmy Dean sausages. I'm on this kick right now that people because people think that Jimmy Dean sausage is protein. A protein source, when you are looking at a label on your meat or whatever, a protein source means that the if you look at the label and the fat, the carbs, those are less than the protein grams. So a protein source means that when you look at protein, total protein, that that grammage is higher than the fat and or the carbohydrate, which if you're eating meat, there should be no carbohydrates in your meat. Um, But if you're eating a dairy source, there will be some carbohydrates in there. And most protein sources will have a part of fat or some kind of fat with it. And we'll talk about that later um, in either this episode or another episode, why that there is fat with protein. So, but just making sure that you know that the protein source you're getting is an actual protein source as well. Yeah. It's very important. It's important, you know, to get quality foods into your diet. It's hyper, hyper important, you know, and then to, to go back to the process of digestion, we, there's so many different aspects. There's so many important parts of every step of digestion. I teach a lot of this in the gut guide, the, which is my online course where I teach about supporting digestion because, you know, I, I get clients that come to me and they're like, well, I, I have hormonal issues. I have this issue. I'm like, we support digestion first and foremost. And then the rest will, we'll work on those things later, yeah. but look, look, nourish your body first. You can't nourish your body if each step of digestion isn't functioning properly from your stomach, from your stomach, your food, I, ideally, if your food is broken down properly in your stomach, if it's broken down properly in your mouth, it goes into your duodenum, into your small intestines. And that's where so many, so many things are going on at once. Your liver, your gallbladder, your pancreas, you know, all of these different things are working together to, to shuttle the energy into your cells. If you, here's one thing that you'll learn more about in blood sugar. If you eat something sweet, you want your insulin to be released. If you eat something sweet and it's not sugar, it's still going to raise your blood sugar because you can't, like we've said before, you cannot trick your body. When your taste buds taste something sweet, it doesn't matter if it's zero calorie, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's sugar-free, you're raising your blood sugar. Or, no, your blood sugar. You're raising, you're, you're telling your pancreas to release insulin. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, people that eat sugar-free things and they're, they're scared of becoming diabetic, you're sending your body into an insulin resistance so your body doesn't produce insulin anymore. You know, we see people who are like borderline, borderline, you know, pre-diabetic and they start eating sugar-free. That's the absolute worst thing you can do because you're still telling your pancreas to release insulin and, and you're releasing insulin. And then, you know, you eat that sugar-free candy and that, that it gets to that area of your body and your body's like, wait, I released all this insulin. What's it supposed to match with? Yep. So then, then it goes, you know, it, it, it decreases your blood sugar and then you have low blood sugar and you don't understand why you can't, why, why you have no energy and then, yeah, you do become diabetic. Yeah. Um, I, it's so hard not to go into blood sugar regulation right now. I'm just going to remind yourself, you and myself, um, you listeners, I mean, but we are going to go into that in blood sugar regulation, which should be the next episode after this. Um, so hold tight. We will talk to you about what to do instead of if you are, um, pre-diabetic or you're struggling with sugar or whatever, we will get into that for you as well. Okay. Yes. That will Um, will be a whole episode. That will be a whole dang episode. Um, so you, we've gotten into the duodenum, we've had the hormones released, we've had the emulsifying of the fatty acids, and we're now in the small intestine absorbing our nutrients, right? If everything is done right, Mm -hmm. we're in the small intestine absorbing nutrients. Yeah. You're absorbing your nutrients. You have to have that fat emulsified. If you don't have fat emulsified, you're not going to be absorbing your nutrients. They're just going to stay there. Now, you know, for me, I had a digestive dysfunction for over tw- for 25 years. 
I had gunk all in my intestines. I, I probably still do. I'm working extremely hard at, at getting all that out and supporting my intestines, supporting my intestinal wall. But like I said, 25 years of, of stuff that was sitting there. I was pooping once a week. I was sitting on the toilet for over an hour trying to poop because it just wouldn't come out. And I thought that was normal. I thought, yeah, I poop once a week. I'm good. At least it's coming out sometimes. I remember sitting on the toilet, like not being able to poop, sweating and being in pain and pushing like, like you see women in labor pushing and I would release, you know, tiny little thing and I was good. So much junk was, was crammed inside me. I don't know where it all went. Cause I know I ate more food than that. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe it's still compacted and fermented and maybe oh, yeah. that's what happened. It fermented and then the whole world. Got it fermented. That's for sure. And it came out. It came out. Yeah. It definitely came out. Oh man. Gases. <laughs> well, and okay. So think about that though, with the fermentation, I just had an, uh, like a uh, realization right now. That fermentation that was going on in your guts, when something, yeah, but when it was fermenting, the size of what ferments gets, you know, think about fermented fruit that you forget in the back of your refrigerator and it like gets smaller and smaller and becomes liquid, right? Yeah. I just, that just. And you know, another another symptom that I forgot to talk about earlier that I struggled with um, around the time that I was like 16, 17, I started, I was a cross country runner. And I ran cross country, I ran track and I had excruciating hip pain. Now this hip pain, it hurt to lift my right side. I don't know why it was more my right side than my left side. My hips, both of my hips would hurt. I, during this time period of my life, I was rotating, going to the chiropractor every other day. I was going to the chiropractor twice a week. I was going to physical therapy Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My dad would have me sit down and take ice baths in his locker room, ice baths. And I was doing all of these things. I mean, daily, I was doing something to support my hip. I bought the best shoes you can buy. I, I mean, I haven't bought cheap sandals in almost two decades because my parent, you know, my hip, well, that was at 16. So that was about 15 years ago, but my hip hurt so bad that I always, I have worn Birkenstocks, not because, you know, they're trending right now, but because they were the only thing that doctors told me I should wear. I wore the best tennis shoes. I would buy new tennis shoes every like five months because I had to have something to support me. That was the only thing I had orthotics. I had all these different things. I had the x-rays. I did everything. And they were like, Oh, you're fine. No big deal. Like it's an invisible illness. So that was another thing that stressed me out because I wanted to be a cross country runner. I was fast. I was good. And then I got bad because I, I couldn't lift my right leg. My coach, my senior year, my coach ended up pulling me off the track crying and said, I can't let you do this to your body. I cannot let you live with this kind of pain forever. He was like, you're done. And we just sat on the side of the track and cried. Oh no. And if I would have just known if I would have just supported digestion, that fermenting process that's going on inside my small intestines was causing inflammation everywhere because those gases weren't just coming out my butthole. No. They were being absorbed. They were causing inflammation in my hips. Yeah. I, I would, now, now I'm very thin. Yeah. I have always had a thin figure, but I would get to where I would gain 10 pounds in a week and then it would go away. And then my face would swell and I would have all these things that just like swelled whenever I would, whenever I would work out or whenever I wouldn't like, there was no consistency, Mm -hmm. but now I know now I, my weight, my weight never fluctuates. I eat more food than I ever have. Well, I've always eaten a lot of food, but I eat, (laughs) I eat food and I work out. I don't work out near as much as I used to. My weight never fluctuates anymore. And people say, oh, weight fluctuation is normal. No, it's not. It's not. My body was inflamed. I had gases spreading all throughout my body. 
I felt like there would be days where I'd wake up puffier than normal, but I was still thin, but I would gain weight. And I just thought it's weight. And then it would go away. And I just thought like, you know, I would relate it to my period or whatever, but that wasn't what it was. It was, I had gases all over my body that was causing inflammation everywhere. Yeah. And so again, everything is related back to how are you nourishing your body? Yeah. And I want to, I want to expand upon that because you mentioned a thin figure doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So my clients tend to, like I said, my clients tend to be struggling with obesity or so forth. And the week before their periods, they will gain up to five, 10 pounds, depending on how much they actually weigh, like, or how I should say how much fat mass they have on their body that should not be there. And some of my clients get so excited because of course I'm behind the scenes working on all these foundations, like really encouraging those. They have no idea. Um, half the time they don't know. They just do like the next habit that I have them do. And, um, the clients will be like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I lost weight or lost actual fat this week, even though I started my period. How many people on a dieting plan, dieting plan, they gain weight right around their period. Yep. And, and then like, let's just even try Mm -hmm. to maintain, maintain the weight that you've lost because we go through dieting breaks when you work with me and because you should not be dieting more than eight months out of the year without breaks and things that should be broken up too. But anyway, um, again, that's another episode, but my clients will be able to, are able to maintain their actual weight and they only have maybe like 0.5, depending on if they ate late that night and you know, whatever, but they don't gain anything. Like that fluctuation is a tight, tight number. Um, so that's something too, you were talking about inflammation if you are obese or overweight or pushing to obesity, you are going to be ha- you are going to have inflammation. You're going to have inflammation in your body because all of the excess toxins and all the excess food and all of those things in your body have to go somewhere. Yeah. And we'll get into the toxins and stuff in another episode as well, but all of that just think about it. All that crappy food you're eating all of that excess food, all the excess food becomes toxic, toxic to your body. All of that has to go somewhere and your body thinks it is inflammation and you are sick. So it's not just the thin, thin looking bodies. And it's not just a body type inflammation, um, digestive problems happen. It's not um, just, it's non-discriminatory. It's across the board. It doesn't matter who you are you can struggle with it, with digestion and digestion is the first lot. I, I just, I call it my first line of defense. It's yeah. my first line of defense to being well and to fighting what will make me unwell. Does that, yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Okay. Yeah, completely. Exactly. You know, but now I have my period. I don't gain weight. I don't even get bloated. Yep. The people tell me, oh, well, that's normal. You're supposed to get bloated when you're on your period. No, you're not. Your body, yeah, you might have a little discomfort because our insides are sloughing off. That's not going to be pain-free ever. (laughs) Not fully. Right. Feeling that slough off and the uncomfortableness of bleeding every month, that's normal. That's it. Yep. You're not supposed to get acne on your period. That's not normal. You might be a little more tired because your body's doing a lot right then. Yep. But you're not going to be exhausted where you can't get out of bed. No. And it should be relatively pain-free. Yeah. You shouldn't be in excruciating pain and vomiting on yourself Mm -hmm. and crying and not able to get up. Yep. You don't need that that heating pad. Nope. You don't need the Midol and the ibuprofen. You don't need all that. Nope. You need your body to get rid of the excess. Yeah. And all the rest of it takes care of itself. Again, your only responsibility, going back to the, the, the main part, the only responsibility that you have to your digestive process really is chew. Is the what? Is chew. Chew your food. Chew your food and manage your stress. Chew your food. If you get anything from this episode, chew your dang food. Right? 
Exactly. Okay, so we're in the small intestine. We're still in the small intestine. We're in the small intestine. Okay, and actually, ahead. the surface area of the small intestine, I thought this was really cool. It's the size of, is it a tennis court? Like, the whole surface area is the size of a tennis court. And I, I don't know the last time you were on a tennis court, um, but it's kind of a big surface area. So yeah. that's how big the insides are because our body is serious about absorbing its nutrients. Like, it doesn't want anything to pass by that it needs to be absorbing. So we're in the small intestine absorbing all the things and then the, um, our food or the bowl or whatever it's called at that point moves into the large intestine, take us through the large intestine. So it's moving into our large intestines there. It peristalsis is helping it to move through, through your body. It comes, you know, it starts in your lower right side. It comes up, it goes across and it goes down into, into where it's about, you're about to poop. And so it has this process of it's absorbing your food there too. You're, you're getting hydrated there. You're absorbing water. You're absorbing those, those last few things that you need to absorb. This is extremely important. If, if you are compacted and you're full of junk, how is your body going to absorb your hydration? That's another huge foundation. If you're not, if you're compacted and you have gunk from years of not pooping, you're not going to, you know, all these people chugging a gallon of water every day. You're not absorbing that. You're probably depleting your body of minerals. You're not absorbing it. That's why you still feel terrible. That's why you're thirsty because you're not, you're not doing anything for your body. Yep. A hundred percent agree with that. And I think, you know, um, again, we're going to talk about hydration in another um, episode, but I think that what we don't understand is that the large intestine is not just about poop, that there's still absorption mm-hmm. and there's reabsorption of excess bile. So like, let's just say there's some bile left over that didn't get absorbed and we don't need it anymore to get the, the, um, poop moving with the peristalsis or whatever it's called. That's what it's yeah. called. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm not the greatest with all my terms, but like the <laughs> excess bile like is absorbed back in and goes back to where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And then the, um, the extra vitamins like the that and then also if you have crap stuck in there from not pooping we were talking about this i think in another episode where your mental health suffers your ability to sleep suffers your ability to do a lot of things so i think we both agree that if you aren't if you are not supporting your digestion you truly cannot be fully well no there's nothing about wellness if you aren't I would like I think you always say if you're not pooping for every meal that you've had you're probably not have a good working digestive system no um I think when this episode goes live I really want to get those pictures of you um because when you were talking about the bloat and all of that um I think we should post the pictures of um you before with the bloating and your pant size difference I think that that might be a that was insane. And knowing just like that, I'm not, okay, just so y'all know, I've not met Lindsay in person, but just knowing um, her from social media and from our conversations, she's not a big girl, like at all. Like she's not. And like, I, can, I wear a size two. Right. And when you look at the pants that she was wearing on bloat days, I'm like, oh my gosh. Size 10. Do y'all and hear they're that? Both, they're both lucky. Y'all hear that? They're lucky. And so I was too lucky. The exact same range. At the same time period of my life. Yeah. So I think that maybe, um, and I'm not saying, we're not here to treat, diagnose. We're not here to do any of that. But we're here to make you aware that digestion could be causing you some inflammation or some other um, symptoms you may be having that you don't, that are common but not normal Um, and that you can understand like, oh crap. Okay. Maybe I do need to. Now, Lindsay does have a a course called the gut guide. This is, um, a phenomenal, uh, course where she walks you through all the things it takes like in detail, bio-individually on how to work with your digestive system, like to acknowledge, oh, I didn't know that this symptom was a sign of small intestine need or um, large intestine need or, oh man, I really do have, I'm not chewing my food enough or that really is this or, you know, like all of these things, she goes and walks you through that. We will link that in the show notes below if you would like to sign up on the wait list for the next time she starts. 
Um, that way you can get in on that if you think that you need some digestive support, which I think everybody does. Um, the other thing I was going to say too is that um, without our digestion, we cannot thrive. No. And I would encourage you to really sit down and at least chew. Think about your stress. Think about some of the things we talked about in this episode that you can apply to your own life and say, okay, well, I can choose this one next best step. I can choose this ne after you've gotten that figured out, move to the next best step. I hope that that makes sense. And I hope that that encourages you that you are not alone, that you are not. And in fact, if you are struggling with digestive systems, the two most prescribed and over-the-counter medicines across the globe are for IBS and constipation. And it all starts with your head and the way you chew. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that that helps you. And if you could just leave us a five-star review or um, take a screenshot of you listening and tag us even the rock or at even the rocks podcast. And we would love to see where you're listening. Thanks y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can support this podcast by going to co ko ficom slash even the rocks podcast, or find this link in the show notes. This helps to support us continue to make these episodes available to you. If you would like to work with either of us, you can find us on Instagram at even the rocks podcast or email us at even the rocks podcast at gmail.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please rate us at five stars and leave us a review. We appreciate you greatly for listening.